Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Great Iron Blitz right here on Apple Podcasts. Tune in, Player FM, and Block Talk Radio. Host Oscar Lopez here, episode 257, Super Bowl edition, Super Bowl 53 preview edition. And then we're going to recap the AFC and NFC championship games that happened both in overtime. Um, the Rams win 26-23 in overtime in a controversial, um, basically, call in the fourth quarter that could have ended the game there for the Saints and launched them, but did not. They had to go to overtime. And uh, so in overtime, New Orleans throws a pick and they lose it on a field goal. And so uh, the Patriots come back and they take care of Patrick Mahomes late as well, 37-31 in overtime. And so the overtime rule in question everywhere else, everybody's debating that. We'll talk about it as well on the pass interference call that was in the NFC uh, championship game that obviously gave the Rams the win in overtime to face the Patriots in Atlanta for Super Bowl 53. And then we're going to talk about the NFL headquarters stance by the women's tackle football, uh, WFA primarily, the Divas, and how that will affect, if anything, the NFL swing to support it. And then we'll jump into, obviously, some of the things that are happening. But if you go to the hub at facebook.com for slash Gridiron Beauties, you can get pretty much everything you need to know of what's going on in the women's game, plus major articles, stories uh, internationally from all over the globe. Thanks to our network. Um, they're awesome. And so we support that. 6,600 strong on Facebook and over about 6,700 strong on Twitter. This is the best network on the planet, over 20,000 fanatics. Uh, talking women's American football. So let's bring in our Hall of Fame quarterback, Louise Bean, in the house. Louise, how's it going? Doing well. Doing well, Oscar. Not as well as the Saints. <laughs> well, we, I mean, our household. Yeah, yeah. Our household wanted the Saints to win. But, I mean, you know, that's a that's a great game as far as just if you're watching sports, to watch sports, that's a great game. I mean, two overtime games in the same day for the AFC and NFC Championship. I wanted to actually look up that fact if that's ever happened before. And No, it's uh, been – I think it's the first for a weekend. that It's happened before where there was one overtime game, but not two overtimes in the same conference finals from what, I'm, from what I was told. Okay. So that's pretty okay. good. But so, so, Luis, just perspective there, right? They blew the call. Everybody can agree, right? Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. That's that's a bad call. But I mean, I I mean, it should have been two calls as far as the targeting and also the pass interference. And yeah, they blew the call. But I mean, you know, it's a game of calls. It's some stuff subjective. I mean, yeah, it so looks like they, they had gotten that. So here's the debate. They blew the call, and this is this is what I got from my from my uh, high school coach. We were, go, we were okay. going over it. And you know what he okay. said to me? So they blow the call, and guess what you got to do? You put your bootstrap back on and earn it off yeah. the call. 
So that means yeah. they still got an overtime opportunity, right? And they got yep. the toss, and they also got the ball back. So yep. they can't say that it was literally robbed because they still got an opportunity to get the ball and to make something happen. Now, I understand the overtime rule. Everybody's, you know, saying, okay, well, this is, this is crud because one team gets the ball and they score that, that it's over with. Maybe it's better if they just play the full quarter and whoever ends up at the end ends up at the end. So, which I think uh, I'm kind of laying towards that side. Well, I love college overtime rules. I just think it's exciting. It's just way cool. Now, I don't know why the NFL, I mean, they've always tweaked the overtime rules. Sometimes I think they overthink it um, as far as all of that, like saying you can get a field goal, but then the other team gets a shot. I don't know. I just think it makes it almost too complicated. But And I get that you need to have the game over at the end of the of the of of overtime. I mean, you can't just end in a tie, especially in this situation. Um, yeah, I'm not on the boat where I just feel like I've been cheated and robbed and all that kind of stuff because there's, you know, like you said, like your high school coach said, there's a lot of different opportunities. It, it Obviously it hurts that that team. I mean, that just totally hurts that team. That makes them feel just horrible. Um, and you think, will I ever get back there again? So, yeah, it, yeah, it, you know, that's painful. But um, I don't know, you know, we're all humans. The game of humans. I'm fine if they want to change the tweak the. Louise, would you go as far as to like sue the NFL as a fan? Okay, that's crazy. I, I just, that's crazy. I just read that and I'm like, are you kidding me? That you would have to go back and sue everybody in the past. You know, yeah. the Steelers, the the Oiler fans back in '79 when the yep. Steelers technically should have never gone <laughs> to the Super Bowl. I mean, you know what I mean? Green Bay. Yeah. I, you you can go back, and this is I think is utterly ridiculous. I think what you need to say is, your team got robbed. Fine, I accept that. If it was my team, if it was the Rams yesterday, and that call was never called, but we got the ball and we got the coin flip, and we need to make it happen. Guess what? I'm living yeah. with it. I'm like, okay, we sucked. We we had uh, literally another five minutes that we could have made something happen, and so that right there was to me. It's like. If they would not have gotten the coin toss and they would not have gotten the ball, then I would have looked at it like, well, that sucks, and that's not that's yeah. not fair. You know what I mean? Because yep. then the refs should have the refs should have made a call. Like, if the Saints didn't get the ball and the coin toss, I would have I made a decision then and there to say, okay, you got we made a mistake with the you know pass interference call. We're going to go ahead and give you the ball in overtime. Yeah. I mean, that would have been like the fair thing to do to make up for that mistake. Do you get a shot to make it right, you know, for them to make it right as well, which I didn't see that happen with the coach, with the refs. So the beef here isn't really with, you know, the, the, both the two teams or the fan bases, the beef is here, I think more with the NFL and the refs and the refs not stepping up and going, we made a bad call. We're going to make it right by doing this. I don't think, I don't think in either team or neither coach would have said, no, that's unfair. No you made the call, they would have been pretty clear. You'd discuss it. And I'm pretty sure, you know, one of the coaches would have said, fine, give them the ball. We're fine. We're just we're going to defensively got to step up. You know what I mean? So they, they got to do that. That's what they would have done. But the NFL to kind of stay silent. I think that just speaks volumes as well, because they should have made some sort of decision then and there when they saw the, when they saw the review, they're reviewing it under two minutes. Why couldn't they just 
oh, wow, we made a huge mistake. They could have just overruled the judge or they could have done something. Yeah, because you could see it. I mean, everyone in the screen can see it in the stadium and TV. I mean, I know the NFL told them, hey, we're sorry it was bad, you know, as far as that's a bad call, that kind of thing. But it doesn't, other than just admitting you're wrong. Uh, yeah, I'm all for whatever, having more re- instant replay, things like that as far as which things can be replayed. Now, there was a lot in that game. I can't remember if it was that game or the other game that had a lot of reviews. Um, but those are those reviews seem like they're really important most of the time. Like you're on, on the edge of your seat in games like that thinking, okay, which way it's going to go. You're looking at a million different angles. Um, you know, some of the catches. I'm not gonna, you know what? I'm, I'm going to say the refs screwed up. But what I'm saying is the head the head referee, the guy that is in charge of the refs, if mm-hmm. he knew that was the wrong call and it wasn't made, yeah. he could have turned around and made it right. That's my beef. If the judge guy screws up, it's it's like in business, right? Your boss yeah. takes the heat if you end up screwing up, right? There's a customer, the customer complains, and this says, you know, Louise, you suck. You need to give me good service. Mm-hmm. Guess who gets the call? The boss gets the call, right? So that's in the same realm right. of that, where somebody's got to make a right. That, except, except then they've they've messed up. That means they've stepped outside of their laws or their boundaries they've made for each other. So they've got to have something in there so that the head guy can do that. Because you know they're always trying to follow all the rules or whatever they've outlined. The NFL's outlined. And if the guy no. has stepped out, then some other person's. No, what I'm saying them, so is, I don't know. what I'm saying is, what my point is, the the head referee of the event, the guy in charge right. of the referee should have made right. a call upstairs and said, hold on, you know, hold on. Before the ball was snapped, hold on. Let's make a call upstairs. He could have done that. It's in his right to do it. And he didn't. It must not be in his right, or he would have. Because why? Unless, I don't know. I, I'm, just saying, that, so. I'm just saying a big, big time game like that. I, I, I just, my point is, I understand how the Saints fans feel. They feel like they, it wasn't earned. They could have nailed it, and the, they could have nailed it on that call because yeah. they would have gotten the ball. I think on the three yard line, they could have scored, oh, yeah. put it away, put a field goal up. It gives that it gives the Rams what twenty five seconds or something to kind of put a hail mary together or something to score, mm. right? I mean that's the scenario yep. that would have turned out technically. But my thing is that is that sucks. That's my point. That that really sucks because that could have happened, but it didn't happen. So you still got the coin toss win, and you still got the ball back. So in 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 a, in a way, it sort of equals and offsets itself in a way. Now that yeah. Breeze threw the interception, that's on you now. You threw the interception under pressure. You turn the ball over. The team ends up kicking the field goal, and they win it. So in reality, yep. technically, there was a wrong and a right made because if you look at it that way, you're like, yeah, it sucked to not have that call but you did get the coin toss and the ball back. So in reality, you did get, they did correct it in a way. And I think that's why the NFL is kind of like not being so overly dramatic about it. It's they're just saying, Hey, we screwed up. I understand. Yeah. But you know, their point is you did get an overtime, you know, you get, you did get time in overtime. You did get the coin toss. And on top of that, you got the ball back. So you kind of lose it. And a lot of people have been screaming about, okay, you know, what happened to the Vikings? when the Saints played the Vikings on those calls in the past, yeah. right? Yeah. Sean Payne didn't complain and said, hey, that was wrong. <laughs> now, yeah. a, it's just like a lot of scenarios going through it. It's, it's just part of sports. You know, I was talking right. to my, coach, my, my, my high school coach. 
what did he say? The same, same thing he said. They got the damn call wrong. What is, what is our job? Our job now is to correct that blunder and make it our game, make it our correction so they don't do that to us. I think the Sue thing is just nothing's going to come of it other than you're demanding change somehow or the NFL to correct um, their their rules or whatever. Because I'm like, what's the suing going to do? I just do? think They're not gonna change. I, just, I don't. My thing is, I don't think they want to do the overtime period to 15 quarters because of how exhausting it is for the players to go in an extra quarter. You know what I mean? Yeah, like to your yeah. point, they just want to get it. They just want to get it over with. It's not like basketball. Uh, it's not like hockey because basketball and hockey have it to where, okay, you get the extra quarter, you go an extra quarter and you got to win until the buzzer goes out. So maybe that should be the rule. Just 15 minutes, you get an extra 15 minutes and everybody's going to get an opportunity to touch the ball for 15 minutes and figure out who's going to win. And at that point, that's you know, how they used to do you it. go from that. And you can't have a tie. Yeah. I, I don't know. I know. I that's what I'm college saying. rules. <laughs> All right, let's bring in the rest of the crew here. Um, let's bring in Salty and Troy. Uh, Mackenzie, what's your thoughts on the uh, the Saints? We're talking NFC Championship game. Oh, Lord. Okay. So, uh, mm, so I don't really think that they have a right to sue. Like, what is suing going to get you? Like, you, you lost. Like, I, I get there was missed calls like there was missed calls on both sides of the ball for both teams and in the AFC championship too it's the same thing like calls are missed all the time like and yes even a blatant one I I totally understand like the the Saints fan base's frustration McKenzie McKenzie here's my point there's there's holding on every play it's just like in basketball right there's there's a there's a hold on every play if you wanted to call a hold on every play guess what the, the game becomes Flag. Pretty slow. Yeah. Every every down, there's a hole on every down. I, I played football. I can tell you that I've grabbed a jersey, <laughs> that I grabbed a, a helmet, I scratched and I nodded on somebody, right? You could have called me for a hold mm-hmm. every down. Oh, absolutely. I just don't, I don't, like, I, I get that they feel robbed or whatever by – you know, not essentially not being able to make it into the uh, the Super Bowl, but that's not anybody else's problem. Like, I just feel like if they would have played more sound football, it would have been a different story. You know, for the, the reality for the Rams, is, they, go ahead. Yeah, the reality is they got the ball. They got the coin. In fairness, they got the coin in overtime, and they got the ball back first thing in overtime. So they got their shot to to win it, to put it away. They could have, you know, if, if Breeze doesn't get intercepted there, guess what happens? They, they're right inside the 30, right? And all they got to do is put mm-hmm. a field goal up, and they would have beat the Rams right there. That's just the way the cookie crumbles. You know, I mean, exactly. here's, here's, here's my thing. Go, Troy, go. I, I, get, I get why the Saints <laughs> fans are upset. I get it. Are you going to sue, Troy? Are you going to sue? Because your season was bad in the Redskins? You know, the thing is, I'm going to sue the Saints. And I'm going to sue the Saints (laughs) for blowing two games that you had it in the bag. Both of those games, they had it. 
you, you, yeah, they did. you know, you, you got a mental lapse in, you know, up in, you know, in, in Minnesota last year. The game was over. That wasn't even a Hail Mary. I don't even know what you want to even call that play. I don't, you know, it, and then, you know, then you go to this year where you had a 13 point lead. They, they had at all some the point. momentum in that game. Yeah, you know, and they had they had that game in the bag. They are the ones that salted that away. You can't. I mean, I get it. The call was egregious. It was horrible. It was a horrifying call, no doubt about it. But you've had chances before that call. You had chances after that call, and they didn't get the job done, and the Rams did. And that's just the bottom line of it. I get it. It's upsetting, especially the way that they lost. Nobody wants to go down in flames like that, not once, but twice. Two years in a row, their their fans and that team had had to deal with that. And you don't know how much more they can take. And I think that's what they're saying also. They're not sure how much they, more of that they can take. But I can tell you what, if anybody can bring him back, it's Drew Brees. The dude is a leader. He, he's, you know, the dude is a boss. And they know that. And he's going to step up and be a leader. And honestly, I feel like with the team that they have, and they can possibly add even more pieces, I just think they're going to be right back in the same position next year. And we'll see then. But until then, until then. Oscar Lopez's Los Angeles Rams are in the Super Bowl, and they got there fair and square. It wasn't their fault that the, that the ref didn't throw the flag. Those guys earned it. I don't want to take nothing away from that. The Rams should be the ones that everyone is talking about, not New Orleans. They are yesterday's news. My, I'm telling you, our kicker, an amazing. That's an asset right there. We did a good job with it. But all I'm saying is, it, it was kind of like an offset penalty, okay? They, they, the call, nobody questions the call was a bad call. But you did get the coin flip and you got the ball back in overtime. And, unfortunately, you made an interception mistake. And that cost you the game. That was the difference. They make that yeah. – he makes that throw. They catch that ball. Guess what? All they need to do is have their kicker make a, a big, long field goal and they're going to the Super Bowl. That's it. Yeah, I mean, nobody wants to talk about the guard who missed the block. Nobody's talking about him. He's getting off easy on that one. That's why he got. That's why the blitzer came through, and and you know hit Drew Brees' hands. Nobody's talking about that. And not yeah, to mention, talking about. I sent I sent I sent you guys a collage of pictures where yep. you can see you the penalties that were going on that were not called against the Rams, and they should have been called. They should have had 15 yards on each one of those penalties. The 60 yards that the Saints gate got away with. And you know what? In the end, that was a bad referee crew. You got you got to say that. But in the end, man, the Saints had plenty of chances to win that. They shouldn't have any excuses. Do you think, uh, Troy, you think Sean's just crappy as crap because he knew he was in the bag and he just let it go? Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, he was. they were right there. They were right there. Just think about that. All year long, I mean, they had to go through all of the two-a-days and all the mini camps, and they had all their planning. And, then, you know, you got that great season that they had. They were lighting up the scoreboard. They were on top of the world. And they felt like, you know, especially with home field advantage, that this is their shot. This is what you even played for in the first place. And to have that taken away from them, that, that, I mean, that's just, you know, it's demoralizing. And not to mention, like I said, they had the same amount of chance, I think, last year because that same team has re- returned, and they were just as good last year as they are this year. And just to have it, you know, taken away from them like that. But at the end of the day, they have no one to blame but themselves. Both times, they let themselves down. They they had the chances. 
they could have finished, but you know, um, just they just came up short, man. But they got to learn from it. That's all you can do at this point. You, all this complaining about, no, it's not the Saints players, but it's more like the fans talking about they're going to sue the NFL over the results. Well, okay, I mean, good luck. But you know, why that, that while that's going on, the Rams are still going on to the Super Bowl. That's nothing's going to change that. All right, Mackenzie, do we turn back time? Because that would make everybody feel good. Um, no, you don't turn back time. What you do, <laughs> like, why? Just like, why for what? Like, you're you, no, like, I think the fact that, that the Saints or their fan base or whoever is actually make making a tip to sue uh, the NFL or something bogus is going to end up losing because the ticket holders. First of all, can you say tick, the ticket holders are upright? <laughs> Sue the NFL. Uh-uh. Oh no, my no, God! Sugar. No, <laughs> no. What a waste overall, of money. Overall. You could just give the money to the homeless <laughs> in New Orleans. Well, I mean, it's just like, like, what, what's the point of of going back to play what one quarter, maybe? Like, who, and I, I guarantee you, like, I'm like, what, what sense does that even make? Mackenzie, you're not drunk right now, are you? Because you're trying to figure it out like no, a drunk person right now. What? I, I just, I'm just – I'm literally trying to put this together. Like, what on earth sense does that make? Like, you're going to try to go back in time and play maybe a quarter, maybe less for what could more than likely be the same exact result. Like, just take the L. Take the L. Re- regroup for next year and try to make it a good next year. Like, why do we quit? Why do we keep dwelling on this? I don't know. But because well, we live in a social media world together. that is full of emotion, <laughs> we want gratification. <laughs> I'm posting that I'm angry, and you're gonna like me with a like or a happy or a heart <laughs> or a GFI. <laughs> exactly. I'm gonna say this right now. Los Angeles Rams in the Super Bowl, we got a big, big time hurdle. It's called Brady, and I know it's not going to be easy. So, look, here's, here's my um, what? And I'm, I'm a big Tom Brady hater. Everybody knows that. I don't care. Like, sure, he's the GOAT, but I don't consider him the GOAT until he actually gets that sixth ring. And I don't think that's going to happen. I've been one for one because I went against him last year in the Eagles one. I'm going to go against him this year, and Jared Goff's going to get his first one. That's how I see it. But that's only Thank you, Mackenzie. You're on my bench over here, right here with the hot seat. (laughs) You're sitting right next to blue and gold, and I'm giving you all the popcorn you want. Boom. Look, we can sit back and watch together, sugar. Like, that's what it is. It's going to be a great game, honestly. It's going to be a shootout. It's going to be the young gun versus the old veteran. Mr. Bag of Bones, Tom Brady, and Mr. Young Gun himself, Jared Goff. C.J. Anderson versus, well, Gronk and Edelman versus Todd Gurley. And and that Rams defense versus the Patriots offensive line, who hasn't quite been as stout as they normally are. So it'll it'll be an interesting one for sure. All right, guys. Let's move on to the next game. So, Troy, let's start off here. Um, Did you think – once we got to overtime and you give Brady the ball, the, it, he did the same thing that – what's the other quarterback? Matty Ice <laughs> felt in the other Super Bowl. <laughs> Just 
Look, man. Sit down, boy. I, Sit down, boy. <laughs> I, before this game, I said I'm not betting against those guys. Never, I just had a feeling, man. They were going to come out and just do what they do. I mean, I, I just nine Super Bowl appearances. That's just crazy. I mean, for Belichick and Brady, I'm not betting against that. Was it 13 NFC titles? I mean, I mean, AFC titles. Twice. It's just the big stat is Tom Brady has been part of 17% of all the Super Bowls. Can you imagine that? 17% of all the Super Bowls. That's a big I, I saw stat. Another, I saw another amazing stat. It said Tom Brady now has more playoff wins than 27 franchises' history. 27. Including the Browns. NFL. Including the Browns. Yeah. The Redskins are in there. Super Bowls. This guy alone has been, I mean, he, he's, he's the greatest. I'm just, uh, you know, I, I just, I'm not betting against those guys. As long, I don't care how old Tom Brady is. When Tom Brady, if Tom Brady is still playing and he's 49 years old, I'm not betting against that guy. I'm not, I'm just not going to do hey, it. Uh, somebody told me on Twitter if he had a cane and still wobbly, he'd still be playing pretty good ball. I'm taking Tom Brady. Until I see otherwise, I'm just taking Tom Brady. I'm not counting that dude out. And you know what? You were man, Oscar. I love the way the Rams have been playing. And I think they are the second best team. I think New England's going to beat them, man. I think they're going to beat them. I I am leery of that. I am leery of that. That's why I keep telling you. (laughs) They got to bring their A game plus. Because if they give him time – it's done. Yeah, and you're giving Belichick two weeks to prepare. I mean, that's, that's what no, I know. last year. Oh, that's man. Gary. Last year, come on. Yeah, that's true. Look, that's true. But, say, you know, I, I wouldn't put that on Brady. I would say that I would put that on the, 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 the Patriots defense. And so you got to lay that at the feet oh. of Belichick, in my opinion. No, I'm putting it, I'm putting it partly on Brady because – he, everybody knows he can't catch. I was, they was really going to try a trick. True. Well, okay. yeah. Very true. He, he didn't, he, he didn't catch it. the ball, but he did have 505 yards passing and three touchdowns, no interceptions. I mean, that's And he did put many eyes on the bench. You only got one negative. I'll, I'll keep that one. <laughs> Mackenzie, what do you say Kansas City right here? What do you say Kansas City? I mean, it's, it's like they get to this stage – and then you know that you have to beat this guy for four quarters coming in. You know he's not going to be the same guy like in the regular season. If, he, if you're Andy Reid, you didn't do much of your homework, but you know what potential he's got. And that offensive line, nobody's giving that uh, uh, Patriots offensive line any credit. They maintain him scratchless. Nobody touched him, basically. Well, in Kansas City's defense, with them having gone so far in the season without, you know, very many losses, I don't think they're prepared to take a loss, if that makes sense. Like, you know, people, teams and players and athletes prepared to win, but they don't know how to, as far as like emotionally and mentally, don't quite know how to prepare to lose. But I mean, they don't know like what the emotional aftermath could be, you know, you know, all the things that come along with taking an L. Um, if, if I'm the Kansas City Chiefs, even though we lost that game, I'm still super proud of my team and what we did 
this season. Like, honestly, like, I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what any Patriots fan says. I don't care what any other fan base, including my own Dallas Cowboy fan base, has to say. If you're a natural lover of the game and, and you know, the sport of football, you literally have to be excited about what you've seen from the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, I'll, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, year, no, like, no, no season, doubt. They have I a really good nucleus. Patrick Mahomes, yeah. I really think Patrick Mahomes is going to the Super Bowl next year. Like, that's McKenzie, right there. The blunder that is the blunder that is Hunt, do you think that was the X factor that could have thrown him over if he was available, if he was playing? Yes. Yes. I do. Um, you think that would have been the difference? It's unfortunate. Yeah, and, and honestly, I don't even think it would have been that much different, but it would have been like Patrick Mahomes would have had all of his weapons instead of just Travis, Travis Kelsey and Cream Hunt. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, you know, he. It, I mean, it, it is what it is, but at the same time, you know, you can't control what, you know, your teammates do on and off the field for the most or off the field for the most part. Sure. You can only, you know, you can only control what they do while you guys are in each other's presence for the most part. Uh, Louise, let's get the quarterback perspective. You don't get to touch the ball in overtime. That sucks, right? Uh, yeah, that sucks. But And we already discussed, you know, the fact about overtime rule adjustments, which I'm sure will happen. Here's the thing. I'm totally in Troy's camp where I don't care if you hate him or you love him. I mean, those guys are excellent. And they're not like – here's the profound difference. When people look at the Warriors, the Warriors are stacked. I mean, they're stacked. They got five starting all-stars for the NBA. And so them winning championships feels different to me than retooling in the NFL. That, and the, the New England was not considered the most talented. I mean, Kansas City has more weapons. Um, Drew Brees had more weapons, I feel like. I mean, definitely. You, you're talking about like, roster, right? Yeah, Louise, roster. you're talking about the roster. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're comparing their roster. They didn't have a great outside deep threat, I'm saying New England. Um, I feel like the Rams, the Saints, and the Kansas City all had more uh, pure weapons than uh, New England this year. And everyone was counting out New England, saying, oh, they're not as good or whatever, all those kind of things. He's too old. And you know what? They came back and they won. And he doesn't get sacked because he processes defenses really well. He knows anticipation. He's been playing in a long time. Um, and those are just things that he may not be considered the most talented quarterback because a lot of people think that um, Aaron Rodgers is and other guys like Patrick Mahomes and all that kind of stuff. But, man, he's thick between the ears, and he works at his craft. And he's awesome. And those guys have been together for 19 years, and you just can't and a lot of, like uh, Daniels or OC, those guys have been together, so they know what it takes. And anyone could have won that game. I still feel like anyone could have won that game. I mean, if that off the Kansas City guy who was offsides when the ball got intercepted on that last drive, imagine how just a little mistake like that just changed that game. That game was over if that guy hadn't been offsides. Over. And he made a mistake. And so that's why we like sports, because humans play it, not robots. So he's like Troy said. I mean, you can't bet against him. And uh, no, I don't even know who the next closest quarterback is to have gone to that many Super Bowls. Does anyone know? 
Troy. Could be Eli Manning. Uh, is it Eli Manning? No, I guess uh, Joe Montana. Joe Montana has four. But has he been? Did yeah. he win all the ones? That- yes, he yeah, won all Joe, of them. Joe Montana is four and up. Okay. Yeah. So that's yeah. That sounds like a lot, but going to nine, and I know he hasn't won them all, but going to nine, oh my gosh, that's insane. Right. I think the the impressive thing I would say is they got a makeshift rosters every year, and somehow they make it happen. Yep. Deal. Is that it's not the Warriors that have a loaded roster, so you can't you can't blame them for saying, "Oh, you guys are always just you just have the best roster." They don't have the best roster, and they still scheme well and things like that. i got to tell you guys a funny side note. So I have a son whose name is Brady, and he is 16 years old. And when he was born, I had a photo album that I wanted to put something on the outside of it. And there was a sports, there was a sports Illustrated article that was called Bringing Up Brady, and they were talking about Tom Brady. And he was like a rookie or in his second year, and there was an article about him and so I cut out the, the headline called Bringing Up Brady, and I, I uh, taped it on the su- outside of my son's first photo album. And, and so I said to him when the game was on, I'm like, dude, you know this is where that came from. And he, I said, he's still playing. And I said, and you're 16 years old, and you have the Brady article headliner on your photo album because of Tom Brady. And he's, like, just laughing. So that's a pretty amazing career right there. So I'll end it up. <laughs> Yeah. So I have some stats. No I have doubt. some stats no for you guys since we're since we we're talking about um, quarterbacks and who has the most appearances. So Tom Brady has nine appearances and his record's five and three. John Elway would be next. He has five starts and his his uh, record is uh, two and three. Uh, Terry Bradshaw and Joe Montana are both uh, four and zero. Oh. Sweet. Man, yeah, Bradshaw should have been three and one if the Oilers would have won. If we do a reover, the Oilers would have won. So we, he would have been like uh, probably three and one instead of four and zero, oh, right? Yes. Yes. But we don't do do overs, so we're good. So he's four and zero. Oh. No, we don't live in the past. I can remember '79. I was at the Rose Bowl when we got beat. That's not good. You gotta get rid of that memory. Yeah, well, it's pretty hard. I, I try to wash it off, but it's not working. Hey, I am happy for you, though. I mean, the Rams, you know, they haven't been there a lot. And Kansas City, if they'd gotten there, oh, man, seriously. That would have been huge. Yeah, I would, it would have been a nice shootout again, I think. It would have been pretty hyped shootout again, probably. Um, but uh, hashtag McVay all the way. Hell, yeah, McVay all the way. So I, get, I hope it gets to New England. It's actually going to be in Atlanta, but anyway. Um, uh, Troy, uh, the Chiefs, is it just they just ran out of time or they just, you know, one blunder like uh, Luis says here, they just made one mistake? Um, you know what? Uh, yeah, it's just that one mistake. I mean, and the thing is, is when you have a team like that, you know, playing against the Patriots, that's what you can't do. You can't make those mistakes because they, they will capitalize on it. I, think, I believe they're the best in the league and, like, um, or in the tops of the league every year and converting turnovers to points. And you just can't do that against that kind of coach team. Um, but, yeah, at the end, man, they 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 still had chances. I think what, what the Patriots started to do was what they usually do, which is take away your best offensive weapon. And they took Tyreek Hill out of the game. I mean, he, he only had one catch, I believe. 
and that's their, you know, their most potent weapon. He only had one catch. And that really right there, that game plan that they usually have, that allows them, that allows you to slow down the game. And they can wait for you to make mistakes. If you slow down the game and it's not a big shootout, you know, you got to slow, the more chances you get, the more chances they get to turn you over. And they ended up doing that. And they almost uh, got a turnover on their own, you know, uh, with their fumble, that muff punt. That was a close call. At first, I thought it did hit his hands, but it didn't hit his hands, and it was it was a it wasn't a live ball, so that was good. But then you uncharacteristically you seen Brady also to throw two interceptions. That one in the end zone was egregious, so it it was getting a little shaky there at first. But all in all, I just love the way that they schemed that up on defense by taking Tyreek Hill out of that game. I think really that was the key in the victory. Mackenzie. Uh, Belichick wasn't afraid to bring the heat and just disturb Mahomes because, you know, he knows young quarterback, he's going to get rattled. And I think that's really what it was. The pressure got to him to try to get the ball out. And that's some of the, you know, some of the issues there as well. Honestly, I don't even think it was so much Belichick. I mean, don't get me wrong. Belichick is probably the greatest coach in NFL football currently, but Honestly, being just Patrick Mahomes being as young, being such a young quarterback that he is, I think the overall the um, the overall pressure of being in the AFC Championship game at home, you know, in front of his own crowd, I think he was. I think his mindset was, I I need to do too much to try to win this game. Like that that's where I'm looking at it from. Just being a just. From a player's aspect, I think he was just thinking like, okay, this is you know what I've been working for all season. Now I need to show out even more. And I think he, unfortunately, I think he overperformed a little bit, and it it showed in a, in a negative light. But once once he got towards like the end of towards the end of the third quarter, mid fourth quarter, I feel like he started to settle down. But I feel like he should have he probably should have tried to settle down before uh, you know before time man uh, again. Time management caused some of that because that's what the Patriots do. They try to work the clock, and then eventually you get to the point where they have their three minutes, but you don't. It's literally how they work the game. Are you still there, Luis? Oh, yeah. Sorry, did you ask me a question? Yeah, I was saying that um, the, the, the Patriots, they try to, like, time managed the game to where they get their three minutes and you don't towards the end. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. My phone just kind of blinked out for just for a second. Um, you know, we all live by the rules, and that's what the rules are. And so whether we like it or not, it's like the back when Dallas lost to Green Bay a couple of years ago on the Dez Bryant catch. And now it would be a catch, but it wasn't a catch back then, and he caught it on the one-yard line. It's just, it's just, it stinks. But that's the rules that we've all, they've all agreed to live by. So. Yeah, and it's it's tough in that sense, Mackenzie. If you give him, I mean, I was sitting there at home, and I'm like, you gave him, I think, under two minutes and something, two uh, two minutes and something. You gave him, and everybody in the world kind of knew. Okay. He what down? He was down twenty to seventeen, and then a touchdown. And he was down twenty to twenty-four, and then a touchdown. So it's like you already knew he was going to get a touchdown. It just it just seemed like so flowing. 
Yeah, that, that, that that's the one thing, like I said, fandom aside, just knowing overall, you know, what the Patriots are about, you cannot give Tom Brady the ball with very much time left. Like, anything over, I would say, a minute 15, no. It's a big mistake. I Same thing with Aaron Rodgers. Sorry, I was going to say that the game went longer than I even thought it was going to, because Tom Brady had one more drive than I thought he was going to have. It's like the game would never end. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. And I was just like, okay, I know how this is going to end, and then we have overtime. <sighs> then, you know, and then overtime happened. I'm like, oh, okay, well, this is not normal, at least in Patriot, you know, aspects. Yeah, and it, it just seemed like, Every time they got they got the uh, the ball back, you just kind of had had a feeling they were going to score. You know what I mean? It's this pass to Edelman down across. They were getting beat in the middle, Mackenzie, and I think that's where I think Andrew Andrew Reed failed because Edelman is such a a durable catcher with a, he knows how to use his body. You know what I mean? When the ball comes to him, he knows he's going to get crunched, but he's able to hold on and and crouch down and get that space. And they were just allowing that space. I mean, he was killing them from the middle the whole time. Oh, absolutely. The middle was for Julian Edelman in the middle of the field that game was like a freaking smorgasbord of opportunity. Like, honestly, that's where Tom Brady shines. Is and and and, and this is partly due to how um, much how I guess how not so much of a presence Julian Edelman Julian Edelman is in terms of how tall he is. Him and Cole Beasley are almost a micro, microscopic version of each other. They're both 5'10", 5'11", on the, on the shorter side of the receiving end as far as height concerned. But they, they don't drop the ball very often. And when they catch the ball, they make do with the space that they have. And they make big do with the space that they have. So that's the thing. And, and even with Julian Elliman coming off of this injury, I think most teams and most fan bases had underestimated what he was going to be able to do this season, which is honestly why I'm – more or less shocked that the Patriots are in the Super Bowl again for that plain fact because for a while um, Tom Brady and the offense was gearing more towards you know Gronk and the tight end side of receiving the ball, getting those power yards, getting those power rushes. Then you know Edelman gets cleared and it's been between him, Chris Hogan, and um, Rob Gronkowski. You know all three of Tom Brady's bigger weapons um, per se. So I was I was more or less surprised like okay Julian Edelman is just out here bowling like after you know seven what was it seven or eight months off of uh, surgery and rehab like that's that's insane like that's insane to come off an injury perform your butt off and now make it back to as far as Julian Edelman is concerned his I think his third um, his third Super Bowl back to back second yeah so that's just it's just crazy to me. All right. Um, let's talk about uh, uh, before we talk about the Super Bowl preview here, uh, getting going here. Um, Mackenzie, we had the WFA Divas uh, last week, and then obviously at the Women's March, uh, they were protesting or demanding, in a way, the NFL listen to the fact that they should be funded for a WNFL. Um, I think it was Robert Mack from the Victorious the Movie Project. He was there as well and uh, Okima Pickett and uh, Amanda Congaldi 
and other divas, they were there as well with some New York Wolves uh, girls as well. So they are telling the NFL three stipulations. Uh, they're wanting the NFL to come up with three things that they have to be benefited to them because apparently in their stance, the way it came across the press conference, I could be wrong, but they want the NFL to fund women's tackle football. If I, that's, if I got that right. Oh, this subject is very touchy. <laughs> so, um, and I'm going to, I'm, I'm basically practicing my comments um, from a previous podcast that I did um, in one of the other Facebook groups that I'm in. Um, my, my personal stance on it is as far as having a, a female professional, like fully paid out professional women's tackle league is definitely doable. I don't think so much it's doable by, quote, unquote, making, you know, demanding that somebody, you know, start it. I think what what needs to happen is somebody with a, some larger, larger monetarily enhanced, whether, you know, business or sponsorship, whether it's like a Nike or, um, you know, like a, a, a huge sports marketing agency, um, pays, needs to start paying attention to the women's game in order to see what kind of benefits they can get to create. What you know, once once such a league is created, I think that would be the route to go. I also think that if the, if the NFL did did fund a WNFL, it would it would just create more opportunities for them. It would create more opportunities for them to make money um, on in the off season of, of the NFL season. It wouldn't it wouldn't clash with the NFL season because it would be just about over right right once. Um, preseason NFL is starting. So it would be a, a right right around the same time as the AAF. Um, it would just create more jobs, create more opportunities. That's, you know, if those jobs are created, that's more taxes they can put, you know, they could take out of those people's paychecks, stuff like that. It just it literally just creates more monetary value for the NFL. And and that's well, that's just my personal thing. That's what I think. I don't think using the word demand is quite the the route to go. Mackenzie, the WNFC is going the different route. They went to the headquarters of the NFL, the WNFC with the Destin's group here. They're seeking venture capitalists, and then they're uh, seeking a big-time sponsorship, which they got with Adidas. So their their whole mindset now is we we need to prove to the big gorilla that we are worthy of some money. I mean, that's the way I look at it on that side. They haven't played a down, and they already got Adidas on board. So if they can show uh, and that's- close games in one season, I think the corporate umbrella in New York would probably take a second wink and go, okay, let's look at this and see what this is all about. And I think that's that's where this, in my eyes, where this entire thing kind of, what, oh, how can I say this without sounding like, <laughs> I think that that's where. I know, you know what, let me just say this. I know everybody wants this equality thing. Everybody throws this equality thing. In reality, in the real world, there is no equality. There is mix-ups. In other words, not everybody gets a fair shake on everything. There's always somebody that's got, that doesn't have a fair shake. I understand where they're coming from in terms of let's bring attention to it and let's get this NFL to realize that we're here. I understand that part. Uh, but at the same time, the NFL, you know, these are millionaires and billionaires. 
they're not going to just throw money away just to throw money away. You know what I mean? They're not going to just, oh, here's your money, and we're going to fund your league. I think you have to show them value. It's kind of like going to Shark Tank. You know what I'm saying? So you walk in there, you got all these guys sitting at the chair, and they're going to ask you, why should I fund you? And you're, oh, because I'm a woman, and I play football just like the men. Well, guess what's going to happen when you go on Shark Tank? They're going to throw you out. Well, and that, and that's why I said I, that's why there's so much like there's so much tension with and I can't even say that there's so much tension now because you know soon in about two or three months you know the WNFC is going to have their inaugural season and then we won't be able to use that they haven't played a, a down of football argument right. as a basis as to why they should or shouldn't get anything and I'll be honest I was definitely one of those people to think okay like y'all haven't played a down of football the WFA and the other, the other women's leagues have had multiple years, multiple seasons, multiple mm-hmm. avenues of showing that they have value and worth as far as why they should have some kind of pay, you know, some kind of payout or some kind of reimbursement as far as paying their players, uniforms, stuff like that. But on the flip side, in order to create an oppor- in, in order to make an opportunity happen, you have to create it in order to, you know, get something out of an opportunity you have to put into it, which is why I, I now feel differently about how the NFC has done what they've done as far as getting that sponsorship with Adidas, you know, getting all those, all the marketing tools, having all the marketing tools that they have, getting all the advertisement that they've gotten. I now feel differently because they're doing exactly what I've just stated as far as creating the opportunity and taking that risk without having those, you know, without having those, actual physical games played. So, and I think once that, once the WNFC starts their inaugural season, I think that's going to completely change. I think, to be honest, I think both entities as far as the WFA and the the other season leagues that have been around for a while and the WNFC as its own, as its very own entity, I think both, uh, both entities or both sides are going to be looked at differently. My as only counter argument what they, what they to was, for. yeah, my only counter ar- argument right. to Robert, uh, Robert Mack, the producer of, of um, Victorious the movie, he was, his argument was, hey, the Australian rules, uh, Australian uh, uh, football league has a, a AF, F, AFLW. And I, ex- I was trying to explain to him that internationally, most men's clubs do support women in terms of the sport. You know what I mean? The, uh, the Australian rules, the men and the women kind of join together in great women's gridiron, like in Australia and in Europe, in some, in some, the, some universities have men's teams and then they support the women's teams in America. It just seems like absurd that we don't have an NCAA that wants to create a college regional base, uh, women's tackle football uh, product, you know what I mean? They do it for lacrosse, they do it for field hockey, they do it for soccer, softball, but they won't do it for women's tackle football. You know what I'm saying? It seems like absurd, even on the NCAA level, not even not even the NFL level, the college level. We don't have women's tackle football in college. And you would think that would be like a primary, even if you did a small regional, you know, a small regional uh, a base, you know, just like the East Coast or something, and it doesn't happen. And that's the reason I'm, I was trying to explain to him: you can push the big gorilla; they're not going to see value until you say, "Okay, we got, you know, college, we got a feeder system come out of college. There's 20 teams or 10, 15 teams in the East Coast that play this, kind of like a cross 
uh, league just announced this week that they're now in unison, men's, the men's pro league and the women's pro league now as one working together to market the sport. See what I'm saying? And that's where we have a broken system. The NCAA even won't step up and say, let's create a, you know, women's tackle football college type of product. Well, and, and, and see the thing, and I totally agree with you. Like I, I literally just had this conversation in some of the groups that I'm in and, you know, they were saying the same thing as far as not having a feeder system of, of any kind for women to come either come into or to come out of as far as getting into the college circuit and then leaving to go to the pro circuit. Like, and they're absolutely right. But in the same respect, when you're looking at a college sport entity or even just an athletic program in general, football is the most expensive sport. It, it's literally the most expensive sport, but it's also it, it's the most expensive sport, but it's also, I'm almost positive it's also the most revenue bringing in. Like, it's the most sport, it's the most sport that brings in the most revenue to a, a bigger Right, right, to a program. Yeah, to a program. Basketball, um, basketball, football, and I believe um, men's and women's track and field, if I'm correct. But those two sports alone, football and basketball, are are, basketball is a little bit less expensive, but football is the most expensive sport in a college athletic program. And I I think... So my my point is, Mackenzie, uh, Mackenzie, the point is this. You support a basketball program for men's and women but you won't support a football program for men's and women you know what i'm saying that's what i was trying oh, to no, explain no, to, I to robert Look, I, that that it's like it just blows your mind <laughs> that they won't support that and okay well my point is if you're going to poke the big gorilla then at some point you're going to have to show value and i think one of these two leagues doesn't matter whether it be the wfa what they're doing is politically based what i consider politically based because you're using a platform that's political where the the WNFC so far is hush, hush. They're going to, you know, got their Adidas uh, contract and now they're going to try to play their first season and see what kind of, you know, result they get out of that. And maybe that will be leveraged. So um, Luis, let's bring you into this conversation. Where do you think both sides are going to go? One's on the platform of trying to, you know, poke the big bear while the other one's kind of like, trying to figure out how they're going to kind of show some value and maybe the big gorilla takes notice. Hey, you know, I have done some crazy things where you just feel like, you know what, I'm going to try it because it's, you know, when they're going after the NFL, I think that is skipping some steps. Um, But I think, okay, go for it. Got some press coverage, you know, things like that. So I think it helps in that aspect. Um, maybe some crazy rich person up there decides to do it, you know, on a sponsorship level, something like that. But, um, and then I agree with uh, both, both se- several of the things that you guys have said, as far as like, hey, you know, it's got to, they got to have people playing in high schools more and colleges more. I don't think the colleges are going to be supportive of it, basic, at least not for a while, because it's such a big hit financially. It's one thing to finance a female basketball team. It just doesn't cost that much. A female football team is just so much more money, and those football t- programs are living off of uh, whatever they can make. And some don't make that much, and so the, your university has to subsidize it. If you're talking Alabama, SEC schools, Pac-12 schools, hey, they got too much money. They don't want to have to share it with girls. And the whole e- 
uh, Title IX stuff and having the equal amount of sports, that gets tricky. And so you're, it's always hurting somebody when you have to eliminate one male sport to add a female sport. That's just tricky politics. So, no, I definitely don't think they're rushing to um, subsidize female football in college. And there has to be – they won't do it until there's more push in the high schools and there's more athletes coming from that. Because where are you going to get your athletes? They, aren't, they haven't been trained in football that much. So I think it's just following its natural progression. Um, the – the, but it doesn't mean that people can't make statements or try and do whatever the DC divas did. I don't, you know, I don't have a problem with that. Um, and maybe the movie will help or whatever. Uh, get bring some, oh, bring some more eyes onto what's going on. Um, a lot of the girls. That just means that a lot of the NFL. If if the NFL gets involved, then there's going to be a whole lot. They get to choose coaches. They get to do a lot of things, and a lot of players that love playing football won't make the team. Um, as far as the NF, I mean, as far as the WNF, WNFC, they are going off a lot of relationships. And so this year is going to be huge because the NFL has control to some degree over coaches, owners, those kind of things. And OJ's league doesn't have that ability yet to have control over who the coaches are and the markets that they approved, what the athletes are, all those kind of things. So it, even though it looks really good on paper, I still would be really worried in the sense of, okay, so are any of these new teams that were new teams this year, Nebraska, places like that, are they going to be able to compete? Are they usually expansion teams in the WFA or like Division Three, and they're just not that good? So, oh, my gosh, the pressure is – a big-time pressure, I'd say, on the league level. I mean, if the team in Nebraska ends up not being very good, then, yeah, they might lose their market, and so they won't be in that league. But Adidas might be like, what the heck? This isn't that good. I don't want to – and I'm sure they've signed a contract that's longer than one year, but still. Oh, my gosh, the pressure's huge. I think there's more pressure on OJ's league than there is for the WFA at this point because the WFA is going to keep doing what they're doing, and it's it is what it's going to be. So – um, hats off to D.C., people that did that, good on them. I just don't think it's going to get what they want. But, you know, we all do crazy things because we're impassioned by something that motivates us and, and makes us want to get up every day. So that's my take on that. Mackenzie, you agree at this point? It's really one 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 is going to play the, the same the same level that's done before. So it's not going to hurt, um, you know, the divas and everybody else making a statement or trying to like poke fun at the gorilla, but the WNFC has made a commitment and has the sponsorship. So a lot, a lot more pressure, right? Yeah, I, I have to agree. Um, I think there's definitely going to be more, actually, I know there's going to be more pressure on the WNFC to essentially show the products that they're selling as far as, you know, like I said, not them not having played a down of football up until about two or three months from now, um, where the WFA is just going to keep doing what we've been doing as far as having games, having seasons, having teams, and having double the teams in the NFL at that. So it's going to be interesting to see how everything plays out as far as the WNFC and how um, how they're going to be viewed the entire women's season. Which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just I think 
I think there's going to be more eyes on on them and see and seeing what their games and their rosters and their teams are like in terms of um, you know them having gotten that Adidas sponsorship and then having gotten all these all these marketing tools and, and you know such kind of like I said before. Now, Mackenzie, uh, we're all excited because we we already know what the WFA is going to bring. We added teams in D3. There's a lot more teams. There's excitement because there's more teams being added. And then all of a sudden, we have the WNFC. So to um, Luis's point here, the thing that can hurt the WNFC is the expansion teams not playing to the level of the Texas Elite, Utah, Utah Falcons, Seattle Majestics, or San Diego, San Diego uh, Surges. Yeah, I'm to be honest, I I can't I don't I don't really think it's gonna be that big of a gap in terms of um talent as far as the expansion teams and you know, those those more elite teams that are that are in the WNSC. I think it's actually gonna be very closely knit as far as uh talent coaching and how how the overall scores of the game end up. I just don't see there being that big of a gap, especially with these expansion teams. You never know what veterans are on those expansion teams, and that's why what, that's what's gonna you know that's what's gonna make it make the difference is whether or not those expansion teams are you know based off of ninety percent rookies or if those expansion teams have a mix of veterans and rookie um, players and coaches. You know on that on that aspect. So I'm not quite convinced that it's gonna be completely one sided as far as um, you know, the non-expansion teams just overpowering those expansion teams, you know, that may be smaller, maybe bigger. I'm just not quite convinced that's going to be a thing. All right. Um, so, you guys, if you want to keep up with everything that's going on in the women's game, there's only one place to go. That's facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties. That's the, the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties. All big-time networking, build it over 10 years, 20,000 strong, bringing awareness to the women's game for over 10 years. So I want to just thank everybody that networks with us from Costa Rica to Guam to Europe to Australia and North America. All of them are awesome. And they give us feedback, information. And I want to also thank all the photographers that take the time on their own and are participating in giving us feeds and photos from international as well as domestically. Uh, especially right now going on the Sapphire Series in the United Kingdom and England, as well as Great Iron West over in Australia. So um, just an amazing group of people that are willing to uh, help out the sport and bring awareness to it. And just no joke, football is at its highest level that we've been in in a long time. And this is a tribute to them and to everybody that net- networks with us. Uh, and we built this network for that reason, to bring awareness to the sport. And I think we've done a pretty good job at that. So congratulations to everybody that networks with us and continues to help us out with bringing attention to the sport. Um, so go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash You can also go to Zazzle.com. Zazzle has been our sponsor for over 10 years now, and they have an amazing website. You can go and order stuff even worldwide. So if you go to the Zazzle.com and you go to the site at the very bottom, it says worldwide tab. And if you choose your country code, you can order stuff from Zazzle. You can order stuff from our shop as well at the No Joke Football Shop. Um, so it's at zazzle.com forward slash gridiron beauties. Up to 20% off on certain sites, especially on the U.S. and also internationally, up to 10% off. So you check it out. Order stuff from our site 
every dollar that comes out of there, for every $25 that we earn in terms of sales, it goes to Spotlight, another talented player in the women's game. Check out our Facebook page, brand page, at facebook.com forward slash no joke football. Check out our Instagram page as well, instagram.com forward slash no joke football. And the brand new handle on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash no joke football. So, uh, Mackenzie, uh, we are going to go down under right now. Apparently, there was one game that was canceled because of heavy heat, and uh, they did not want to get the players, obviously, in a bad health state. So Gridiron West decided to cancel the last game, final week of the season. Perth Blitz, the champions against Swan City, really didn't make a difference because uh, Perth was coming in 8-1-1 and and first place already punched their ticket to the playoffs, and the Titans were 0-8-2 at this point. So didn't really uh, make a difference, and that's probably common sense right there because of the heat. Yeah, I, was, I was looking forward to the game. We talked about that last week, and I was looking forward to how – um, just to see if the, if the underdog can, can you know can pull up I guess what would, what would have been an upset over the, the top ranked team. I was looking forward to that, but I know what it's like to play in over 100 degree heat, and I don't blame them for canceling the game. I really don't. And it really wouldn't have made any difference in the standings. I think if it was a, a crucial game of first and second place, maybe try to muster something out or reschedule it. But it was really just a situation where. It didn't really matter or factor into the standings at this point. Um, the other crucial game was Rockingham Vipers uh, taking on Perth Broncos. The Vipers have now lost two in a row. Last week they lost, and now this week they fall once again, 18-6 to six to the Perth Bron- Broncos. So this, the final weekend ends up as Perth Blitz. The champions are 8-1-1, one, and one, and they're obviously tied, tied first. And then the Rockingham Vipers secure their second place at 7-3-0. and And then the Broncos at 6-3-1. and And the Saints do squeeze in and get into the top four into the dance at 5-5-0. and So we will get all the updated information on the playoff formats in terms of when the games are going to be scheduled. At this point, we'll update those as soon as Gridiron West uh, gives us the update. So at this point, Perth, Vipers, Broncos, and Saints in the Gridiron West playoff scene. Oh, back-to-back losses is still driving me nuts. And, it, and, and it, they lost, like, close games. And I just – I like, I, I got to catch some of it. And some of that game, I was just like, is this really happening right now? Like, I was I, I was mad for their fan base. I'm just going to throw that out there. I was not happy. Like, it's not a not good sign going – happening. Yeah, it's not a good sign going into the playoffs on a two-game losing streak. That doesn't go as well for you. Yeah, no, momentum at this point is at an all-time low for them. I mean, and, and sometimes having a lower momentum going and still being able to get into those playoff spots is is kind of a good thing because, you know, maybe people don't, you know, expect much from you after, oh, you've just lost two games in a row, on, well, one unexpectedly and then the other one definitely unexpectedly. So, yeah, yeah, I just, wow. <laughs> definitely wasn't happy, but... I'm hoping they can pick it back up in this first round of playoffs. We got BAFA Women Results Sapphire Series 2019, and we will get all the updates for you uh, courtesy of Double Coverage. Double Coverage, UK's best coverage for American football, and that covers the women's game as well. Uh, One result already in place, 
and we want to thank those photographers, like I said, that uh, helped us out with bringing up the uh, Sapphire Series Week 3, which was the Lions against Sanwell Steelers. Uh, the coverage was by Jody Davis Photo and by Bill 3 Productions. So really want to thank them. And it was basically the coverage of the 42-0 win by the champion Birmingham Lions A team. They have an A and a B team in this series right now. But the A team went 42-0 uh, versus Sanwell Steelers. We'll get all the results of the uh, UK Week 3 Sapphire Series 2019 exclusively as when uh, Double Coverage posts it. But a great event. It's a great uh, competition. And so uh, we're looking forward to the results right now, and, and we'll be talking about it next week in terms of, you know, who's in, who's what, and what position they're in right now going towards the couple weeks, the last couple weeks of, uh, until March, which is the finals happen in the middle of March. I'm just going to say this. Any, any team that has enough players to make an A squad and a B squad is tremendous. I wish American teams up here had that many players to make an, an A squad and a B squad. Like, that's just – that's still mind-blowing to me. Not even going to lie. Yeah, and it's uh, – you can also get a coverage on there by AFD Limited, American Football Developmental Limited, as an article on the Teesside Steelers at the Hub. Uh, Steelers have been in basically since 2013. That was their birth of the of the uh, program. So you get to catch it out there. It started the flag team, and then it evolved into what it is today, the Teesside Steelers competing in the Sapphire Series for BAFA women as well. Um, the other league that kicked off McKenzie this weekend, FIFA Femenina in España. So the Federación Española de, Fe, de Fútbol Americano. It's uh, as, as quickly as I can say it, uh, via, F, via FIFA.es. And that kicked off this week. So we will get results uh, on the uh, up on the uh, Facebook page, as well as some photos coming up from FIFA.es. 11 on 11 and 7 on 7 is the two leagues. One league's playing 11 on 11. The other ones are playing 7 on 7. The Valencia Fire Bats are now playing the 11 on 11 format, so it's pretty exciting. Uh, Pioneers, uh, they whop, romp the Batadona Drax 7 is six, uh, 70 to 6. And then the Fire, the uh, debut of the Valencia Fire Bats, 16 to 6 versus the Barcelona Buffalo uh, Buffaloes. And so that's going to be pretty awesome. We'll get the coverages as it comes up as well from some of the photographers that are on site. So kickoff for the FIFA LNFA Feminina season 2019 and 11-11 versus 7-7. So pretty awesome week one. I know, very exciting week one for that, for that series. I, I, I always love when a, new, when, a, when a league starts a new season. I just, it's usually full of ups and downs and upside downs and controversy and just all around. So I just, I love it. I can't get, I literally can't get enough football. I can't. Well, internationally we're, we're coming into summer and what is summer? Summer is girls summer. All summer girls playing American football internationally from literally March through August. We will be covering it wall to wall, both styles, legend style plus full kit style internationally from March through August. Uh, the Hub, the best place on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. You can get it there on the best network on the planet. That is us. And so awesome for all our uh, network partners as well. Um, Nausicaa uh, Del Roto uh, was spotlighted on Gazetta uh, in Italy. And she was also on Italy 7 TV. 
uh, broadcasting talking about the uh, Rose Bowl victory that happened uh, uh, about two weeks ago. And she was also, um, her piece, Football in Italy, which was done by NFL Films, was also uh, actually on NFL Network this past weekend. So if you missed it, uh, you can do the replay. Uh, you can go to the NFL Films on YouTube, and you'll see the, uh, the feature that was done there on her that she did uh, on her team and her league in Italy, fall in Italy. So that was a great story, um, Mackenzie. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty much uh, a story of, you know, the, the reality that happens in, in every aspect of the sport internationally where they're trying to grow uh, a league of their own. And this was another example of that. It has happened in Spain. It pretty much has happened pretty much in every country that's trying to bring it up. But this was kind of unique in a way because she got, she got taken over to NFL Films. She started working there, and then she started playing for the WFA of Philadelphia Phantoms as well. And then on top of that, she ended up going back to play for the Italian season, which is with the underdogs of Bologna. And so in that journey of, of itself, she was able to get permission to do this feature on her country, her league, and her team. Yeah, I only got to see half of it. So um, my plan is later this week to go back and rewatch, rewatch the entire thing. But, you, you know, you're right. The parts that I, that I was able to watch, it is definitely the ins and outs of the women's game internationally and basically what it's like um, globally as far as trying to bring up the sport of women's football. You know, it's, it's good, it's bad, it's ugly, it's up and down, it's controversy, it's drama. So I can't wait to watch the rest of it. I'm mad that I haven't had a chance to watch the rest of it. But like I said, the parts that I did see are are literally verbatim what it's, what it's like. So, you know, and most, like I said, most of, those, most of us who play women's, women's tackle football and have been around for a little bit know, you know, kind of the ins and outs and the struggles, what it's like. Most not mostly struggles and not mostly good. It it seems to be a, a good uh, equal balance of the two. So I'm excited to watch the rest of it. I can't wait. Now we got XXFL in Texas kicking off this weekend. It is basically preseason clashes January 26th and February 2nd before the season starts in the summer. XXFL Texas Ballers Showdown. You can get the details right there on our Facebook page. The uh, extreme. Uh, extreme Texas Football League, um, and so they're going to kick off with the Baller Showdown January 26th and February 2nd, Corpus Christi and Laferia. So uh, get the details right there on our Facebook page as well. So that's going to be kicking off as well. And then there was a feature, uh, if you guys missed it, one of our popular features that we've ever had and we've ever, you know, everybody's either shared it or whatever at this point, and it's been a huge uh, sharing point on the article was, Antoinette uh, Tony Harris uh, was the SI article that was done on her on the NAIA scholarship that she got from Bethany College. So it was a really, uh, really a good piece done on her, and everybody loved it because everybody was uh, liking it and sharing it. It's a really cool story. Uh, one of the first uh, uh, females ever to get a scholarship, especially with an NIAA uh, college. So that's pretty impressive. I've been following, I've been following Tony's journey for a while, and the fact that she was able to get a a college scholarship as a skilled player and not just a kicker or, you know, exactly. a special teams player, but a, an actual skilled player, 
is phenomenal. And I have literally been sharing her story, sharing her, um, sharing her videos all over the place. So props to her. I'm just, I'm excited for her. I've been trying to get a hold of her to kind of bring her on the show. So I'm going to try to reach out to her in the next, uh, this week and next week again, and see if she's inclined to come on and kind of tell her story. And it's going to be interesting to hear that, you know, from her in general, but we'll see if we can get her on. I'll try to reach out again. Last time I tried to reach out, uh, I don't think anything really happened out of it. So I'll have to kind of uh, revisit that at this point, but what an amazing story to get on a football team. Um, kind of the same similar situation because uh, Becca Longo got onto the sit, but she was a kicker. And to your point, she's not a kicker or any of that. She's a real, a real position player. And, and if, if anybody that's been following Tony's story knows the trials and tribulations that she's gone through to get to where she is now, that girl works and works and works, does, does the workouts and everything just like the, the, the guys on the team do. So, for anybody out there that wants to tell me that women and girls aren't equal to men as far as keeping their own, follow follow Antoinette's story. I will like I will I will put money that you will be wrong after you watch the the video documentary. It's a perfect example of determination and will to overcome. That's really what the bottom line is: determination and will and like to overcome. Mom, the mind is a very powerful thing. It can either be your best friend or your worst enemy. It doesn't even matter if you're an athlete. It can, it literally, your, your mind is, is the biggest tool that you have to train as far as being an athlete. If you're not in the right mindset and you don't have that determination and motivation to, to hit the goals that you set for yourself, there's no point. And, and Tony Harris is a prime example of what that's like, especially after some of the things that she's gone through. It just amazes me. And her faith is so um, on display every day. Twitter, I follow on Twitter, always on point. It's got a great, uh, great tweet. I always retweet those tweets. They're very inspirational every day. She's got a tweet that comes out and it kind of hits home or it's, you know, it's really good for, you know, our, our Friday feelings or our, our Monday motivations, things like that. So uh, hats off to her for doing an amazing job and getting that scholarship. But if, and if you want my honest opinion, I feel like, regardless of how, how tall she is, what kind of size she has, I feel like she's going to be the first female in the NFL drafted, period. I don't care what anybody tells me. That's straight up just going off of where she's come from, where she's been through, and where she is now. It, to it be won't the, matter to because, be first, Mackenzie, even if she gets on special teams, that will be huge. You know what I mean? If she even starts on, like everybody else, everybody else starts on special teams. And then they earn their, their regular Absolutely. slot on the, right? You know what I mean? So even if she gets on special teams, first break right there. Absolutely. Like I said, it'll be just the fact that she has gotten an NAIA college right. scholarship is still a bombshell because I don't know any other female that has successfully done that. So that's bombshell. That's bombshell number one. That's one hump. That's, one a, huge, that's a huge now, accomplishment, a huge hurdle. And also a credit to her for termination. Absolutely. So now, as her, you know, as her fan base and everything starts growing, she's still going to keep killing it. She's still going to do what she has to do to get to that next level. And I would, and I would think that next level would be trying to get into the NFL. I am in the in the boat mode of maybe 
if this AAF grows, considering they've already, in, you know, had an inclusion with, you know, uh, Coach Locus and Jen Welker and Jennifer King, I wouldn't be surprised to see her in a, on an AAF uh, squad. Oh, no doubt. I, I mean, I could see it. There's so many. There's literally, even though, even though, and, and that's the thing is that people don't give credit to any high schools. Some of these stars that we see in the NFL and that have come into the bigger, like the bigger D1 NCAA colleges, don't realize that some of them came from NAIA schools. Some of them have come from yep. D2, D3 Correct. NAIA schools, and and you have to give credit to those programs because those programs are fundamentally sound. So, like, let's say somebody goes to you know goes to a junior college, you know, and goes for two mm-hmm. years and still has two years of eligibility left and gets you know gets a walk-on scholarship or walks on to like a Texas Tech or like a, in Iowa and starts killing it and gets a starting spot, they they literally cannot do anything but credit those foundational schools that they have come from. Right. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's a credit to just the fact that, you know, a lot of the players on the practice squads on NFL squads aren't always from big colleges. Some of them come from the junior colleges and they just get their break and they go on the practice squad and then eventually they, you know, look at Jerry Rice, didn't come from a big-time school. There's a lot of players that have never come from mid-time schools that have been Hall of Famers, too. Absolutely, which is why I'm I'm just so stoked to see what what Tony does. Like, I can't wait to see. I can't wait to watch. I can't wait to keep following her. Um, I've now followed her college on every social media that I can find. So, it's just, that's just, like I said, that's just, that's a precedent to what younger younger girls and females are going to be able to do. Well, a credit to her for doing what she's doing, and she's uh, got has, like I said, big time faith, and she knows uh, she's got the big guy up, up above making things happen for her, and uh, on top of her talent as well. So, uh, Tony Harris, uh, you can check out the article done by uh, Sports Illustrated on her NIAI uh, scholarship. So check it out at the hub at facebook facebook dot com for Beauties. There's another one that we put out there for Friday Feeling that everybody got totally excited for. So, Mackenzie, uh, about the, the dumbest quote or the dumbest question, I would say, from a reporter was given to the German soccer coach, the first female German soccer coach for a men's club. And that was, uh, if I'm correctly saying, Imke uh, Wubenhaus, Inky Wubenhorst. Um, she was asked, <laughs> she was asked if uh, when she comes into the room, does her players put pants on before she arrives in the changing room? <laughs> and her response oh, was God. very professional. Okay. Her response was very on point. She said, of course not. I'm a professional. I pick my team on penis length. <laughs> I was classic <laughs> back at you as stupid well, as you want to get an answer. There's your answer. That's good. Well, hell, like you, 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 right? You are asked a stupid question. You're gonna get a stupid response back. Well, and I don't, I don't quite understand why or how reporters come up with some of the questions that they come up with. I won't begin. I hope it wasn't a, a, a female reporter that asked that question. <laughs> that would oh, not I be, would be, I would be livid. I literally would be livid if I yeah. was a female reporter. Hell, I would be, be livid. I'm still livid. Like, why? Really? Yeah, that's what I'm. When I I had to share, I had to share it because somebody else sent it to me in the soccer realm, and then I'm like, I gotta share this. This is probably gonna happen at some point down the road in the women's game. Some some guy's gonna ask a stupid question at the post. 
if you ever get a female coach well, to coach an American football team. Oh, my God. I was literally shaking my head when I read that. I was literally shaking my head the entire time. And I was more or less shaking my head that the reporter was super serious about the question. Like, Seriously. straight up, like, do your players put pants on before you come to the locker room? No, we just walk around because that's what we do. Of course they put pants on. Really? Like, why? Ugh, um, I will tell it. you, uh, there was there was a comment made. I don't believe that's her first penis she's ever seen. <laughs> just to let you know. Right. And, yeah. Like, the context of the question to me is just outside oh, of my boy. head right now. Like, do you think that she's yeah. never seen male genitalia before? Yeah, like, yeah. is that not a thing? Yeah. I mean, yeah. let's try to think, like, I don't know, realistically here. That was just dumb. and stu- I would call it stupid, not even dumb. That was, just like, about as stupid as you can get in terms of a question. I feel like, that was dumb. I feel like that reporter asked that question to get some, get some form of attention. I mean, he got the attention that he wanted. but it Oh, sure, for sure, yeah, yeah. We, you know, we were all like, yeah, really? You're going to ask a stupid question yeah. like that? Okay. Uh, apparently, apparently his quote is out there <laughs> being shared, so he did get his attention. Like yeah, like and he's he's now got his fifteen minutes of of social media fame for asking me a totally totally redundant and irate question. Yeah, I was like, I had to share it because I knew everybody was gonna be like, what? <laughs> what? Oh yeah, when I saw that when I saw that come across my Twitter timeline, I was like, you got to be playing right now. Like I had to put my <laughs> entire cup of Kool Aid down just to read this without it coming out my nose. Like is this like I I was still there read this. To one of my coworkers, I'm like, this is a thing right now. Why? Why is why is the question even coming in an interview? Like, wow. Yeah, that was bad. That was bad. Yeah. Um. So, uh, the other thing that's going on in the uh, women's scene was Montreal Blitz started this hashtag Black White Photo Challenge, and everybody's gotten on board. Uh, we ended up sharing it. A couple of teams have done it. They've challenged other teams to do it. Um. So. Uh, it's a seven by seven days, seven uh, black and white photo challenge. So if you guys are inclined, all your teams or whatever, share it out. And if you got a good one, we'll go ahead and share it as well on our Facebook page. Uh, so far, we have the Montreal Blitz and the Amsterdam Cats displayed on there. But if you guys have a better photo, a black and white challenge, I think it's over now. But I, it was like a seven-day challenge where you put up a, a black and white photo every day for seven days, basically. Well, you you know with with social media photo challenges they never actually end, so true. I'm I'm sure there'll be a lot more starting to come around. Probably more or less when it gets closer to take seasons. You know, people are going to be filming their you know game week rituals or taking pictures of it, kind of thing. So I don't really think social media challenges really fade. I think they just fizzle out for a little while and and they get popular again. Yeah, exactly. Um, the other thing that's coming up is Dr. Jen Welker, uh, Welter's uh, girls' flag football camp. She announced it uh, this last week, this uh, last couple of days. It's going to be February 2nd in Atlanta prior to the Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta. So it's a huge deal. Uh, I think it's sponsored by Adidas. You can go to the Twitter post or you can go to their Facebook post and you can get the details there or you can go to jenwelter.com. You get the uh, registration there for to get – the girls involved for the flag football camp that's going to happen on February 2nd in Atlanta. So check it out. It's pretty awesome. She's got a great feedback in terms of all her camps. So she's, she's doing a great job. Well, absolutely. Hats off to her. 
you know, just even to create a camp just for all all inclusive like all inclusive for boys and girls, let alone to create one that's predominantly for four girls is amazing. I mean, I know starting up a camp or a smaller entity like that is just rough in general, no matter what, you know, what kind of monetary um no value or, or a monetary sense that you have, it, it's still rough just starting something from scratch. So and with her with her experience and her and her mindset, she I'm I'm not surprised that it's happened, but I am just shocked that, you know, we we now we now have another feeder system for, for girls. So it's just another 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 W in the column for women. Yeah, and it's it's great to you know, morale wise and uh there's kids that obviously need that and they get they, they get inspired. You know, when they touch a football, they make a play. It's just like anything, you know. Just a, it's one of these things where it makes uh, some of these kids really blossom and kind of break out of their shell. And so it's it's great that that she's on it and she's gone to a couple camps. I think uh, nationwide, and on at all her camps, she's gotten everybody that she's friends with. Uh, I think uh, Anthony Stone, as well as some of the local women's tackle football teams, uh, they usually volunteer and help her out as well. So it's great that uh, they're all in unison and. Obviously, it's for the kids, so why would you? How would you say no? You know what I mean? Exactly. Oh, I love me some Coach Stone. His podcast is amazing. <laughs> love him. Uh, it's just yeah, it's he's just really good. Uh, Coach Stone is some good stuff. You know, it's just great to see in general. You know where women's football has come from to where it is now, and where it's going to keep going. And now to see that there's more girls getting into football on the, you know, on the feeder systems of where all the boys and men have come up from. So it's just good to see. And now that there's those, um, the more of those opportunities as far as feeder systems are being created for girls, it's even more amazing. So I'm just, like I said, I can't get enough football. It doesn't matter what level it's on. And you know what? Every season is a new season. And this is a new season in 2019 on top of the big girls playing on the biggest stage which is the WFA and the WNFC, the LFL, and everything else, we have Utah uh, girls football starting off. We have the New England girls football starting off, the Georgia uh, girls football league starting off, the Indiana girls football league starting off, and the Manitoba girls football league starting off uh, all summer long as well. Some of them are playing uh, in about a month before the season starts, and the others are playing during type of the season as well. So hats off to them. Uh, Utah, Utah girls football league, is now doing registration right now, and they're doing uh, getting ready for their season as well. So uh, check it out on our Facebook page. I, we shared the Utah uh, Girls Football League link as well. So that's pretty awesome. That's uh, Sam Gordon's league that's kicked off everything as well that branched out to Indiana, Georgia, and New England. And it's just it's amazing to see where uh, how how fast everything has taken off as far as all these new girls leagues and how quickly. There's, the interest has risen with these. It's it's literally just mind blowing, and I'm just I'm literally sitting here reading like re- going back and just rereading some of these links and rereading and looking at all the comments. There's at least you know 15k comments, just interest on interest. I'm just like this is crazy. Yeah, and uh, in Utah, it's kind of like a hotbed now because a lot of their programs are going to be uh, are high school driven, where they have a gr- all girls high school. Uh, you know, participation. So that helps uh, the Utah Girls Football League as well. And eventually, you know, we're probably going to get to see some of these girls that are playing on the Utah Girls Football League 
you might get to see them on the Denver Bandit or Utah Falcons or you know Utah Blitz, you know that kind of stuff on the on the women's uh, tackle football leagues. Yeah, like I said, it's just I don't. I mean, I don't know how many more times I can be excited for it. I'm just I'm excited. So, I mean, there's gonna be. I mean, all spring and summer long, we're gonna be here giving you the four one one on everything football, women, men's college. XFL, you know, XXFL, everything. So stay tuned and get ready. Buckle your seatbelt. 2019 is going to be crazy. And on top of all that, next, uh, starting in February, what are we doing, Mackenzie? We are taking Twitter questions on Twitter, and we're taking Facebook questions on Facebook during the podcast. So get ready. Get your questions ready. We will go ahead and answer those uh, as you post them on Twitter and as you post them on the uh, podcast link post on the podcast post. You can write your comments and we will try to uh, put them out and choose a couple of those. And then uh, all our co-hosts here will answer those questions for you as well. So that's starting off in uh, first week of February, which is our first podcast there. And that's going to happen then. Um, the other news that happened is Legends Football League announces Dakota Hughes returning to the Atlanta Steam. Apparently she had decided last season before she left that she was going to retire. I think it's because Coach Hack retired. Now she maybe she came back because it's an easier road to beat the Blitz, and maybe she's able to get the Legends Cup without Coach Hack being there. That's just my saying. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I feel like I have to agree with you. Um, I was actually shocked that shocked to hear that she was coming back because I didn't even didn't even think that would be a you know I didn't think that would be something that she would reconsider, but apparently we were all wrong. We were all wrong. So apparently uh, she's coming back on top of that. She gets Michelle Marshall from the Atlanta, the uh, Austin, formerly last year of the Austin acoustic as a running back. She gets Megan Martinez from Austin acoustic and a couple other Austin acoustic players that are on the Atlanta team. Plus she gets Dina Wogowski, Lauren Ziegler back. So Atlanta is now the new powerhouse because the Blitz is up in the air, and we have no idea what the Blitz is going to be about at this point. Nashville has literally become Danica Brace's own squad, and we'll see how they turn out, because Matheny, Shore, and Randall, and everybody else has decided to go to Seattle with Chris Michelson. So this LFL, this LFL Legends Football League season is going to be very interesting in terms of, you know, who is going to, stand out and who's going to do what because all the power teams literally have shifted with personnel and all this, you know, people, all of that. And then Austin re reborn with the old team completely gone. And now we have Michelle Angel who was on Seattle last year, Nicole Peterson on Seattle last year. Um, you got Sasha Cruz from the Maha Blaze, which was on Denver dream. Now she's in Austin as well. So it's like the shuffle in the LFL for 2019, it's kind of like twirling. So we'll see how it turns out. Also, uh, news before we came on to the show, it was Steph uh, McCormick, formerly of the Austin Acoustic, will now be uh, co-hosting with Audrey Malos, who does LFL Talk podcast. So she's going to be on their podcast. And who better do that than a former player? So congratulations to Steph uh, for getting that gig with them. And the Legends Football League uh, squads of Seattle Majestics, and Austin, I mean Seattle, Seattle Mist, and and Austin Acoustic squads of Michelle Angel, Nicole P uh, Peterson, as well as Ali Alberts and Tashay Winfrey, 
All of them were in Orlando for the Battle of Orlando Flag Football Tournament, the five-on-five tournament, and they uh, won the championship of the five-on-five at the FFTWTC title. So congratulations to them uh, on the uh, on that win. And then uh, FX Mexico in Mexico will kick off in April the 11-on-11 Masters Series, and we'll get more details as it comes out. Uh, Mackenzie also big time. Brooke Leash's uh, articles and feature was uh, done on ESPN.com Brazil, which is huge. So her feature about Pat Mahomes and herself, uh, it's, at the, it's at the hub at Facebook.com for us, Beauties, but it's, it was covered by ESPN.com uh, Brazil. And one of her um, in her high school ended up doing a piece on her as well on the journey that she's had so far with the Kansas City Titans and uh, currently, you know, going to be playing with the Mile High Blaze. And it was done by Cadden Jones. And that was, uh, we also shared that out. I was via YouTube. Uh, and uh, Brooke talking about her, her journey, how she started, how she was the youngest player in the WFA. And then obviously, you know, uh, her uh, success with the Kansas City Titans and now looking forward to the Mile High Blaze. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, look, I don't know how many times I have watched that story and read it and I'm going to go back and do it again once we're done because I just I love the content and I love that Brooke herself is just so pure and she's so young too and to think that you know she where she started and ended up becoming the starting quarterback for high, her high school now and then went from doing that to being the starting quarterback for the Titans now is playing for the Mile High Blaze like just milestone after milestone after milestone and now you know doing two milestones and, you know, into another team. So it's just, I I just love her, honestly. Like I said, I've, I've played against her. She's one of the best football players I've played against, period. I mean, I just, <laughs> I don't even, I don't even know what else to say. Like, and she's, and she's very humble. She is very humble. And it's, yeah. and you would think, you know, somebody as far as being a, a And she's hardworking. She wants to learn. Oh yeah, she's hardworking. She wants to learn, and we just to learn. we talked to Jamie Fornell uh, last podcast, and what did Jamie say? They're going to try to elevate her to another level. So you know, veteran mm-hmm. receivers, uh, veteran running backs. They got the core front offensive line. If they can keep her upright, she's got a good arm. She's got good mobility. So Mile High could be in this situation where they this is this is their ticket as a whole team, not just Brooke, but as a whole team with a good quarterback, stable quarterback, good line, good everything else, and a good defense that they've had for the last two years. Uh, Mile High could be, you know, the front runners, obviously, at this point. I mean, we haven't played one down, but they could be the front runners to the D2 championship. You know, and I'm I'm going to call it right now. I I fully believe that Mile High Blaze is going to end up being the WSA D2 national champion. That's going to be a thing. I, I wouldn't doubt it right now. I'm, the way they're looking, and they got some veteran core. Um, you got some, like I said, Hall of Famer uh, Jamie Fornell right there as well, as well as um, um, Ch- uh, Chantel Hernandez as well on you know Hall of Famer there. So there's leadership there, and Gwen really wants to win. She wants to stand out. Like I said before, this this woman is driven to put Maha on, on the same map as Dallas Elite, same map as Boston Renegades, DC Divas. You know what I mean? She wants to make her see, team be I, the I best team in D two. 
And see, what I don't think people realize is, and I don't think Wayne realizes, is they're already there. They're already there as far as everywhere you look, Mile High Blaze on social media here, Mile High Blaze on social media here, Mile High Blaze is doing this, Mile High Blaze is doing this. Like, it's literally, I don't think people realize that Mile High Blaze are already a big name in women's football. No, I realize it. I'm telling you right now, she's done a good laboring. And hats off to her. Hats off to her coaching staff, of course, and hats off to, um, you know, her players. Um, they, they, you know, they definitely want to punch it to another level. They've come so close uh, the last two years. You know, uh, it's an evolution for them. They've From the where they started to where they're now, where the next step is, is basically the title game. They want to just go to the title game. It's their next step. They got to the playoffs, got deep in the playoffs. It's really about getting to the title game. And I think that's a credit to her to try to bring in talent or get talent in to try to do that. I mean, uh, Jamie Fornell uh, coming over was just kind of like, okay, by accident. But technically, you know, that accident is huge. <laughs> it's a huge pickup as a as, you know, veteran receiver. It's just like a big pickup. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, it's just it, – it literally it, – it, like I said, it adds to what the Maha Blaze has already, has already been doing. Just being able to add her and then add Brooke as well and to help, you know, help elevate each other's game, whether you're a Brooke, whether you're a Jamie, whether you're somebody who's been playing for many, many years, their game is literally going to go up from here. Like that's literally and, – and that goes for any team. It doesn't matter what kind of mix you are. Literally the only way up – is the only way out is up. Like, there's sky's honestly the limit. So we have another article on there uh, at facebook.com forward slash Creator and Beauty. So check it out. Like I said, uh, visit the hub weekly, daily. We're updating all week. Uh, we try to do the best we can to get everything we can. Uh, keep in the know. Uh, uh, the FIFA Spain season just kicked off, as well as Sapphire Series Week 3, Week 4 coming up in in another two weeks, and then obviously it ends in March. We'll be on top of it, courtesy of double coverage as well. Uh, you guys can go to Zazzle.com forward slash Great Iron Beauties, get up to 20% off, uh, use the special codes daily, and you can get your T-shirts, leggings, hoodies. Every sale helps us spotlight another talented athlete in the women's game. And so check it out. And if you don't buy anything from us, no problem. Zazzle's got a bunch of cool stuff out there. You can still use the coupon for other stuff that you want to get. They got Disney, they got Marvel, they got everything else. So check it out. Go to our Facebook, uh, our Zazzle.com page and take about 20% off uh, with the special codes on the end, uh, No Joke Football Gear. So pretty awesome there. Um, we are blowing up. This week, Mackenzie, uh, I could not be more proud. Our stat line was we're only at 6,610 actual followers, but we're bigger than that. And Facebook just sent me this huge statement. 8200k okay that's the reach we're reaching about 8200 off 66 true followers and on top of that we're engaging with 4000 weekly that's huge Jeez. and i'm like wow that blew wow. me away that just blew me away well, i'm like wow, wow. That's, and that's because there's a couple articles on that right were very prudent I think it's because some of the articles were real prudent about it. You know what I mean? It gives you your reach when you when you have a lot of articles that are somewhat ever engaging. And this week we got the article. Remember we had the article with the, uh, the German soccer coach? That was pretty engaging. Mm-hmm. Our article with the, uh, the, the Tony Harris article on SI, that was pretty engaging. 
So there's a couple articles that we posted this week that really uh, added to that and got us over the top for 82, 82, um, you know, 82K and then 3.9K on engagement, which is huge for social media marketing. Yeah, that's tremendous. I'm just, wow, that is, what? what, what I look, Clearly, I'm speechless. Like, I didn't even know that was a thing as far as reaching 8,200 people out of almost 4,000. You can. You know, um, four, it, four, the way the matrix the way the matrix works is, let's say, um, I mean, how many followers you got right now on one of your one of your uh, pages? Oh, well, on Facebook, I have about forty nine hundred friends. Forty nine hundred. Okay, so you got forty nine hundred uh, on 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 your followers. So those are true followers. In other words, it's considered a like like. In other words, you know, somebody's actually following you. But what happens is mm-hmm. if you make a post, you know, engaging post, whether it be an article or something that you post, right, somebody will share that to their friends, and that's where you get the reach engagement. So if somebody looks at it, it accounts for another, you know, 108, 1,000, 2,000, or whatever. So that's how you get the reach um, increase, in other words. The engagement comes from somebody commenting on it or somebody sharing it. See what I'm saying? So that's, oh, that's kind of like crazy. how the way it works. Yeah, so this I this week it. alone was blown away. 82K on just the basically reach on it and uh, 3.9 on engagement. And this is no marketing. This is no marketing at all. In other words, we didn't pay for no volume marketing, like to, to, you know, to get followers or add-ons and stuff like that. So it was really huge. So I want to thank everybody this week to – for checking out our articles, for engaging with our articles, and also for uh, bringing attention to the sport. Because every article that you shared for Tony Harris, as an example, on the shares, guess what happens with everybody that shares it? Five people share it. You had uh, how many? You said 4,900 people on your on your post. Mm-hmm. If you shared Tony's article, guess what happened now? It's just like huge. Tony's, uh, Tony's exposure just went huge just on that one article alone. So we just got – Totally, ex- people just got exposed to a Tony Harris that exists and plays women's women's American football. On top of that, she plays on a men's squad. On top of that, she's got scholarship. You know what I mean? So it's huge awareness. I, wow! I literally, I don't even think I know what to say because that's just we. You know, I can tell you one thing. We'll top it next week. That'll be a thing. We'll top it. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? The geek in me. It's just like tickled happy, you know what I mean? Because that's like, <laughs> that's what I do. That's really what I do. Anyways, it's like one of these sidebars. Like my, my, my wife's like, why are you so static? What do you mean? 82.2, you know, 80.2K and 3.9 engagement. <laughs> She's like, oh, my God, you're a girl. <laughs> no chill. <laughs> I love it. I do. So she was, she was just poking fun at me. She knows I love what I do, so it's sort of like a bonus to, to have that awareness go out there and stuff. So, so we've been, you know, been doing great. Twenty thousand, twenty thousand on all social media sites. Um, so we've been able to do that penetration and get the get the word out. Our podcast is growing, obviously on what four platforms now. We are on TuneIn app. You can uh, listen to us anytime you want on a Player FM, uh, Apple Podcasts as well. And right here, uh, originally on Blog Talk Radio. So, uh, not even including that, I'm not even including those stats. 
I'm not including the podcast stats off the uh, platforms that we use on the podcast. I'm just including just the, the Facebook page, the Twitter, and the Instagram, and the Snapchat as an example for the reach, So which is huge. That's crazy. That is crazy. What? It, it blew my mind, but I just wanted to share it with everybody because it's obviously growing. The sport is growing. And uh, so, you know, shares do help. But at the same time, it's like impactful articles make more of a difference. And that's why we select certain ones. We just don't post just anything. And a lot of, a lot of teams come up to me and like, hey, I want you to post my tryouts. Well, we don't do that. You know, you, you can get Ver, uh, Burmy to do your tryouts. You can get any other, you know, any other group board to do your tryouts. We just don't do that. You know, ours is ours was built on an NF, uh, ESPN style mentality where it is a new source. It is an opportunity to spotlight somebody that's obviously making an impact, making awareness to the viewer and to the listener uh, that's going to listen to our podcast or the or the person that's going through our feed about impactful players. You know, Tony Tony Harris is an impactful player. She needs to be mentioned. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, that, absolutely. That, that's why I, I'm glad that, you know, the Gridiron Blitz Radio team has, you know, accepted me and my saltiness and my craziness for who I am. And I just we love, love you. being a part of this team and being a part of something. This saltiness. is amazing. That's why we brought you on. You know, I feel like every, salt, you know, I feel like good. every podcast or TV show needs a little bit of salty. I'm like the Stephen A. of the Gridiron Blitz. I'm very salty, but I can be coy and cohesive. Hey, you don't have to well, brag well, about all your W's, but you do. You know, you know, <laughs> again, that's why I say I'm like Stephen A. You know, he, he gloats about his W's, but he's not very good at defeat, as am I. Although I try to be as humble as I can, but Troy's been taking W's for well a while, and I just like to rub it in his face. Well, I don't know. Troy's probably got half a skull now based on those W's. <laughs> <laughs> he looks a little bit uneven now. <laughs> but uh, he's okay, a trooper. You know, he'll, he'll I'm pretty sure the other, side, the other side is steel. I don't think you're going to crack the other side. <laughs> it's like a sideboard. Yeah, no, I've, I've tried. Yeah, as long as, long as you and, uh, and you guys engage, uh, it's it's good. You know, Cowboys Redskins is always a good conversation. Of course, it's always going to be a good conversation. You know, and I'm going to be, I'm still going to be winning until next season, until his Redskins decide that they want to come back and play football. I, my, wow. My Cowboys will hopefully keep it together. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's going to. Yeah. He's going to be listening to this. <laughs> he's going to have a response. It's like. <laughs> Oh my God! But no, uh, but you know, Mackenzie, that was our goal when we started in 2009. Our goal, my when I started this thing, our goal was really to do a thorough penetration on social media. The marketing skills that I've acquired, tools that I know about, and we haven't done. I think I've talked to a couple of people. We haven't done true marketing by dollar. You know what I mean? So an average cost, let's say. I don't do it and I only do it in season. So in other words, I don't do any marketing for the sports until uh, April through August. And if I pay for, let's say $60 worth of advertising on a certain week. So as an example, 
Boston versus Divas is something that I would basically be able to push money out for because that would give me 15,000 engagements. You know what 15,000 engagement does for you? A lot. That's huge volume to let somebody know, hey, these are the two best teams in the country and they're playing this weekend. So hopefully that kind of mentality gets, you know, some fans in the stands and, uh, you know, buns in the, in the seats and stuff like that. But, you know, it's just the way it is. So engagement is huge. So, uh, but you got to be strategic about how you spend your money, of course. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and I feel like that's the problem with some of these, uh, you know, some of these book, or I guess not just Facebook, but social media entities is they, they focus too much time on the actual monetarily valued advertising and not the, the free advertisement that you can get by just having people that, you know, having your followers, having your friends and having, you know, um, your just overall outright social media base, you know, share, like, comment, you know, all the, de- all the demographics that we were talking about earlier. So I feel like they're just missing out on all that free opportunity and they're just out here, you know, spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars month after month for more advertising that they could literally be doing by just making a simple post or whatever the case may be. The thing I've learned uh, from uh, social media marketing over eight years is it doesn't matter what you post. What matters is will it get attention? You know what I mean? You, you can post whatever you want, but will it get attention? It's really a, a conversation starter. So if it doesn't get attention, guess what? Nobody's going to share it and nobody's going to like it or nobody's going to comment on it. So you're really trying to make a conversation like you would in a person, you know, a conversation with a person live. If you can't do that, then it's just a waste of a post. And you don't need to post that post. You know what I mean? Just a waste. Is it going to get us something out of it? But it's not going to do anything why post it. So you still got to be mindful about what you post and how that's going to get engagement. So you can go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties. Check it out. I'll share our posts and bring awareness to the sport. You can also follow our brand um, page on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash no joke football. And you can do it also on Instagram at Instagram forward slash no joke football. I want to thank all the athletes and talented athletes there that are uh, going to be uh, sporting our stuff this coming March and April and all through the summer. So we will be posting those up as soon as we get them, especially the crew here going to be sporting our brand new gear that's going to launch in March, brand new stuff in March, and some of the uh, co-hosts here will be sporting it off on their social sites as well as posting some stuff with some selfies. So we're looking forward to the summer, the girls' summer, WFA season, uh, Legends Football League, and as well as uh, uh, the Women's National Football Conference. So um, I think that's it. We're pretty much done. Super Bowl champs, Los Angeles Rams. That's my pick. Facts. Facts. I, I have to agree. The L.A. Rams and are going to po- get it done. Said he couldn't go against the goat, so he's taking the goat. And I don't know if uh, Bean put two cents. So I'm I'm assuming Bean's probably going to go with the goat as well. So I don't know, but we'll figure it out next week, February third. L.A. Rams taking on the goat, New England Patriots, and Tom Brady. And hopefully on February fourth, this boy is going to be elated. For Super Bowl champions, the words Super Bowl champs. <laughs> I feel like you'll be pretty happy, my friend. I think I should, because that's going to be nice. Um, I'm not going to have a Heineken that day. I will have a real beer. So that's the change. 
<laughs> the calories. I can't handle the Heineken calories. I'll just have the beer, the, the real beer then. <laughs> Do it. I should. I'll have wine instead. That'll be good. Um, so for Mackenzie Brooks, the absent uh, Louise Bean and Troy Wilson, as well as Holly Custis, Oscar Lopez Sr. catches next week right here on the Gridiron Blitz via Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Player FM, and right here at Block Talk Radio. Have a great night, everybody. See ya. <laughs>